guys, if you weren't with us here at the beginning of January, I taught uh, one week, I think it was January 7th-ish, the first or second week in January, and we talked about self-control. So we, we talked about this proverb in Proverb 25, verse 28. It says, a man without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A man without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. If you guys remember, well, here's some of my pick of Jericho. So that's Jericho, this, this great fortified city back in old biblical times. Show me the next pick. So if you'll see, like the walls there, there's only one entrance in and out of this city. And so imagine this city without walls. The enemy could just invade anywhere he wants. He could come from the top, the bottom, all 360 degrees around there. But because the walls are up, the enemy is forced to funnel into this tiny little entrance at the front gate. And I equated that to how this verse is saying, if we don't have self-control, if we're not walking in self-control in everything that we're doing, then we're like a city without walls, meaning the enemy can just eat our lunch and, and tear us apart because we are not keeping care. We're not taking care of the walls that God has given us through self-discipline and self-control. So this was, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. How many of you guys are still struggling with self-control? Yeah, show of hands. That, those are the honest ones that raise their hands. I, I am still struggling with self-control. I have not mastered it yet. I, I set some goals here at the beginning of the year because I felt like this was the verse that God had for me this year. And so I started pressing into that and I set some goals for myself to start going to bed early, waking up early, to, to start um, being real mindful with how I spend my free time, not just always running to watch a movie or, or be on Instagram or whatever. I, I set some goals for myself. I wanted to read more, just make better use of my time, be more involved with my family while I'm at home. So these were my goals. Um, I am still struggling with self-control. I'm batting like, I don't know, 400. I'm doing about half of the week I do really well, and then half of the week I just kind of backslide back into my old habits. And guys, it is a daily battle because I'm having to, to fail, fall down, and then say, all right, tomorrow's a new day, and pick myself up again. I'm going to start again tomorrow, and then I go a couple days, and then I fail again. All right, I just got to get started again. Guys, self-control is not an easy thing. It it is what makes or breaks you in this life. If you're walking in self-control, then you're able to live in the, the fullness of what God has for you, meaning you're, you get to experience all of the happiness, all of the pleasure, all of the joy that God has in store for you when you're walking in self-control. But when you're not, you're like that city with broken down walls. The enemy can just invade and, and tear you apart. That's the importance of self-control. And so the question is, if we, if we know that self-control is so important, then how do, we, how do we kill the sin? How do we get rid of the sin that keeps sabotaging us? Because in, in our lives, we can be going real well one direction, and then some, some sort of sin comes in, it just knocks us off of our horse, and then it gets real hard to get back up again and go the direction that we were supposed to be going. And so uh, how, do we, how do we overcome sin? How do we conquer sin in this life? 
We're going to look at Romans 8 here today to tell us that answer. And so I'm going to read kind of a long passage to give us some context. And there is a, a ton in this passage that talks about how to, how to live the victorious Christian life, how to overcome sin, how to find joy. But we're going to hone in on one particular verse. Let's just read the passage, and then we'll get into it. Starting in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So it's a lengthy passage. We're not going to go through the entire thing here this morning. That would take us about 15 hours. We're going to hone in on one verse. So in verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the question we have to ask right off the bat is, what does it mean to live according to the flesh? Because it says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. How many of you guys want to die here this morning? No, none of us. So we want to know, how do we avoid whatever it's talking about? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Well, it, it means that if you live your life listening to every single impulse of your sinful nature, of your sinful desires, if, if every time you have, have an urge to do something, you give in to it, that is living according to the flesh. It means that the, the flesh, your sinful nature, is your master. And that whatever it says goes. So anytime that you're, you're tempted with a, a lustful thought, you just give in to it right away. Anytime you're, you're tempted to, to rage at your brother or sister in anger, then, then you just you go off the handle right away. Anytime that you're, you're tempted to, to cheat on your, your test and lie about it, you, you just, yep, I'm going with it. That's what it means to live according to the flesh. Listen to what the world would, would have us think about this, because this is very contrary to what the world says is a good life. The world tells us this. Listen to this quote by Oscar Wilde. He's an author. Let me see my, uh, my quote there. He, he's a, a fun-looking guy, right? He's kind of the life of the party. I don't know. Kind of creepy, but okay. We'll listen to his quote. The only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. 
Resist it and your soul grows sick with longing for the things it has forbidden to itself. Guys, that is, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is an absolute lie, but it's what the world would have you think. This world tells us every single day that, that whatever you feel, whatever feels true in the moment, that you should just submit yourself to it. Because whatever you feel, that's, that's your truth. Yeah, there, there's no absolute truth. There's no actual right or wrong. It's whatever, whatever the world or whatever you feel is true in the moment, that's, that's your truth for you. And I may have a different truth for me. You have your own truth, and we'll just do our own way. Guys, that's a lie. If, if my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and, and there's not one absolute truth that defines whether I'm right or I'm wrong, guys, we don't have truth. We don't have anything that's, that's there to stand on. And so Oscar Wilde is saying here, look, whatever impulse you have, give into it. Just go with it. That is, that is hedonism at its finest. So I'm just going to give into every single desire that I have because I just want to have fun and, and, and party it up in this life. Guys, do you know who listened to Oscar Wilde? Do you know who, who agrees with that, that quote there? Rapists, murderers, guys in prison. Guys, that, that, is, the, that is the fruit of listening to that right there. When you just give in to every impulse that comes your way, that's the path that it leads you down. Listen to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, the, the results of, of listening to our flesh, of obeying our flesh, are some pretty nasty things. I mean, you may hear that list and think, eh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I don't know, maybe some of you guys are, are feeling like, I've heard of worse things. That's not that bad. Well, let me just put it into perspective for you. How many of you guys hope to be married one day? Eh, probably a good number of you. Or how many of you guys hope to have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Yeah, that should be, should be pretty much everyone. How would you like it if your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend, just really loved sexual immorality or idolatry? Like they had this really cool... Um, thing that they put before everything else. Like they, you wanted to hang out with them, but they just like, no, I'm just going to play video games because, yeah, you're all right, but this is better. What if, they, what if they struggled with sorcery? I don't even, what does that mean? Like you, you go home, you walk in the door, and your, your husband or wife is there like with a, a giant cauldron just brewing. Like, honey, did you bring the eye of a newt? Like, I don't know what that means, but it's not good. Like, you don't want your spouse struggling with sorcery. What about, what about uh, dissension, quarreling? How many of you guys really just enjoy fighting with people? Like, it just brings joy to your heart. No. No, quarreling is, it, it 
develops this nasty feeling inside of you where you're just like, ugh, I just want to be at peace again. Now, like, this is the, the fruit of sinful nature. This is the fruit of when we listen to our sinful desires. Guys, that is, the, that is what obeying our flesh gets us. I heard this quote, I don't know, a decade ago, that has just stuck with me and has rocked my world. And so I'm going to share it with you this morning. It says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I'm going to read that again. It's just so good. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Guys, if, if you've lived any number of years on this earth, which all of you have, you know this to be true. How many of you guys have, have started with just a, a small little sin? Maybe, maybe you started with, with just looking at some inappropriate things online. Maybe you started looking at, at people at school in an inappropriate way, and you give a foothold to it. Five years later, you are addicted every single day to pornography. Every time you see a person of the opposite sex, you're, you're thinking about them in a, a twisted way. Guys, sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay, guys. When we listen and obey our flesh, it always produces death. So this verse starts with a strong warning. It says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Like, that's, that's pretty blunt. Look, if you, if you live according to, to your flesh, if you live listening to all your sinful desires and obeying them, you're going to die. Where's the hope here? There, there's hope in the but. Not, not that kind of but, the, like the B-U-T. There's hope in the, in the but. It says, but... If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is, again, kind of intense language. If you put to death the deeds of the body. So we, we've already kind of talked about what, what are the deeds of the body, the sinful nature. Okay, lust, rage, anxiety, depression, greed, selfishness. Like We, we all have an understanding of what that means. So it says we got to put those things to death. What does that phrase remind you of? It reminds me of execution. Like, like when you put somebody to death, who's somebody on, on death row in prison because they've done some really, really bad things, you put them to death. In the old times, whenever, whenever somebody was... Uh, caught stealing or did something bad and they murdered somebody, you would put them to death. So it reminded me, as I was thinking about this, of, of David. David facing Goliath. So show me my picture here. So David, like David's ripped here. I don't know if that's really how he was. He was a little boy. But David was, he knocked out Goliath, but he didn't just stop there. The stone that hit his head didn't, didn't kill him, I don't imagine, it knocked him out, and so Goliath's there on the ground, and David, David did what we should all be doing with our sin. He didn't stop at just knocking down the enemy. 
he pulled the enemy's sword out of his sheath and he cut off his head. That's what the story says that that David did to Goliath. In the same way that, that David took Goliath seriously and attacked him with with some intense kind of ferocity, that's the same way that we should be attacking the sin in our life. David mercilessly executed Goliath, and we should be mercilessly executing the sin in our life. Because just like Goliath was trying to destroy David and his people, sin is trying to destroy your life trying to destroy your family's life. Guys, we we have to get out of this mindset that we can just fall back into the lazy boy of holiness, that we can just sit back and expect life to just happen to us and just kind of go with the flow. We have to get out of that mentality and recognize that we are in a war. We are in an everyday battle, and the stakes could never be higher. The stakes are, are eternities. That is what we are dealing with here. Listen to this quote by Ed Welch. It says, There's a mean streak to authentic self-control. Self-control is not for the timid. When we want to grow in it, not only do we nurture a passion for Jesus Christ, but we also demand of ourselves a hatred for sin. The only possible attitude toward out-of-control desire is a declaration of all-out war. There's something about war that, that sharpens the senses. You hear a twig snap or the rustling of leaves and you are in attack mode. Someone coughs and you're ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. Guys, that's the kind of wartime mentality we should have toward the sin that's attacking us. He's saying that, that when we're, we're fighting a battle, when we are fighting a war, if you're in a, a, a foxhole, if you guys know what that is, the, the hole where the couple of soldiers sit looking out at the field to see if the enemy's coming, and they hear a twig snap, they are, they're on it like white on rice. They're ready to shoot something. In the same way, whenever you are, are going through life and you feel just a, a hint of temptation, you gotta be, you got to be on your guard against it because if you're not, if you're not hearing the, the twig snap and pointing your rifle at the enemy, they're going to come and take you down. Guys, we have to be on our guard with the little temptations and the big temptations. Because they're coming after you day and night. Guys, most Christians walk through this life just kind of uh, ignoring the battle. They don't see themselves as, as soldiers in the army of Christ. They don't, they don't see uh, them being in kind of a wartime mindset. And so, therefore, they just kind of let the battle happen. And they hope that somebody is going to fight for them. They hope that somebody is just going to clean up the mess for them. And consequently, those people often don't experience much joy in Christ. They don't experience much victory over, over sin. They don't experience much, much passion for, for Jesus and passion for others. They kind of just let life happen to him. Guys, that's not the life that Jesus has called you to, 
Christ has called you to participate in the great mission of Jesus Christ, to live on mission for him, making your life count for all of eternity. We have to recognize that we are soldiers. Every time that you're feeling a temptation, you have to be like David. You have to pull out your sword and you have to put that temptation, that sin, to death. Put to death the deeds of the body. But guys, we can't, we can't just do that out of our own strength. Do you, do you realize the most important part of this entire verse is kind of hidden? It's in the middle. It says, by the Spirit. We have to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. If you just try to muster up the strength to, to be better and do better and just, uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be holy on my own because, because dang it, I'm American and I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm a Texan. I fought the Alamo. I'm going to be holy. That doesn't work. Trust me, I've tried a lot. It does not work to just try and make yourself more holy. You have to do it by the Spirit. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to, to, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body? Well, it means that, that we have to, to minute by minute, moment by moment, be submitting ourselves to Christ by, by being on guard against temptation. And anytime it comes, just crying out to God for help. So when you, when you feel the temptation to... Uh, to gossip about your friend, you have to, in that moment, cry out to Jesus. In your mind, out loud, however you want to do it, Jesus, help me. Help me. Save me. You have to beg God for the strength to fight. We put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, by, by fighting with all of the energy that Jesus provides us. And we get his energy, we get his strength by daily coming to him in prayer. So praying moment by moment, Jesus, help me. Christ, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Strengthen me. We do that by, by memorizing God's word. So if we're going we're gonna to be putting things to death, I know this is kind of graphic imagery here. I'm sorry if you guys are squeamish. We, if we're putting things to death, we need a sword, Right? If the, if the enemy has a bunch of weapons and you're just out there with a, I don't know, a pool noodle trying to fight off the enemy, you're, you're going to get destroyed. You need a sword. Well, what's the sword? The sword is the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. We have to memorize God's Word. We have to plant it deep inside of our mind and in our hearts so that when that temptation comes, we can pull out our sword and by golly, we can put that sin to death. We have to memorize God's word. It's our only sword. It's the only sword that we have in this battle. So practically speaking, what does this look like? Well, I'll kind of give you a, a glimpse into what it looks like for me. So every morning, I have to come to God asking him for his strength. I can't just kind of subconsciously think I need God. No, I have to actively pray out loud on my paper in my journal, however it happens, I have to actively say, 
Holy Spirit, I need you. I am desperate for you. If you don't strengthen me today, then I'm going to fall away. Would you fill me with strength? And then I have to read his word. I have to, to start training with the sword of the Spirit. But it doesn't stop just with reading it. I have to, to pray through it. So if I'm reading a verse like this verse, okay, put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, I have to pray through that. God, what does that look like? What, is that, what, what are the deeds of the body that, that I wrestle with? Okay, and then the Lord starts speaking. I'm reminded of things. Okay, what does it mean to, to put those things to death? How can I put those things to death? He starts speaking. Okay, you need to do A, B, and C. Guys, we have to be praying through his word. And then, like I said, we have to, we, we can't stop there. We have to memorize it. It has to live inside of our, our hearts so that we can pull out our sword anytime that the battle comes against us. We don't know when the attacks are going to come, but we do know that they are going to come. So we have to be prepared with the sword of the Spirit. And then all throughout the day, when temptation comes against me, I have to pull out the sword, whatever verses I've, I've memorized to combat that specific temptation, and I have to start fighting with it, meaning sometimes I'll, I'll just say that out loud. I'll say the scripture out loud. Sometimes I'll just pray it. Holy Spirit, you say to put to death the deeds of the body. Would you help me? Give me strength. Sometimes I'll say it out loud. No. Any temptation? No. I have to put to death the deeds of the body because if I live according to my flesh, I will die. You have to actively fight with your sword. It's, it's not enough to go into a battle with a sword strapped to your side and never pull it out. If you're just running into the battle and everybody around you is, is, is hacking at each other and you're just running around like, oh, I'm fighting real good, you're going to get killed so fast because you don't have anything to defend yourself and you don't have anything to attack with. It's the same thing that we do often with God's word. We, we run into the battle knowing his word, having that sword strapped to our side, but we don't pull it out to fight with it. When that temptation comes, we don't pull out the sword and with all of our might, with all of the might that Christ gives us, we don't hack away at the temptation until it goes away as we have to start actively battling. And then... Going back to, to my kind of daily routine, when I'm feeling weak throughout the day, because you know we all feel weak throughout the day. There's, there's times when I'm feeling like, man, I could climb a mountain. There's times when I feel like, man, I couldn't climb a, a stone. So when I'm feeling weak throughout the day, I have to just cry out to Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me. Fill me with strength. I need you. I can't do this alone. I'm feeling so weak right now, and I want to give in to temptation. Would you help me? Would you fill me with your strength? And he does, because he's, he's waiting for us to humble ourselves, to come to him. That's what it means to abide in Christ. So what, what's the benefit of killing sin? What's the benefit of, of not living according to the flesh? Well, the most obvious one right here is that if we live according to the flesh, we will die. How many of you guys have experienced some, some sort of death whenever, we, whenever you live according to your sinful desires? Man, every time that I give into any sin, 
I experience some sort of death, whether it's uh, the resulting anxiety or whether it's the, the conflict with my wife or whatever it may be. When we give in to sin, we experience death. But it says, but if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we will live. So we'll experience life whenever we put to death the deeds of the body. How many of you guys have experienced, conversely, life whenever you've, you've put to death sin in your life? You've experienced more and more happiness, more and more fulfillment, better relationships. But beyond that, there's a verse that, that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What, is, what does that mean? Well, the word blessed here means happy. That's all it means. It means happy. So happy are the ones who are pure in heart. Why? Because they get to see the infinite God of creation. Is there anything better than that? Is there anything better than seeing Jesus the infinite one who became a man, who lived a perfect life, died on a cross for our sins so that we could know him and be with him forever. Guys, we don't, we don't get to see him when we are living impure lives. And that's not just sexual impurity. It, it does include that, but that is, that is purity of heart, mind, body, and soul. Meaning when we're, when we're giving into anger, when we're giving into gossip, when we're giving into lust, greed, whatever it is, we are not seeing God in that moment. It makes it much harder for us to see God, to know God when we are filled with our sin. So happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the ones that, that walk in holiness and in purity. Why? Because they get to see God. That is something worth, worth living for. And then another place in the, the Psalms, it says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. So in God's presence, which we find by, by walking with him, by obeying him, in God's presence is fullness of joy. So not just like a little joy, not just, heh, <laughs> that was fun. Not just a little happiness. No, this, this is saying our fullest joy is found in God's presence. This is the, the God of creation who set everything up the way that it is. He knows how everything works. He's saying that in his presence is fullness of joy. And so if, you're, if your joy meter goes from your feet to your head... Maybe when you, when you play a new video game, your joy goes up to your toes. Maybe when you, you, you hold hands with your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, which you shouldn't have right now, maybe it goes up to your ankles. Maybe, maybe whenever you watch a new movie, like your joy, I, I don't know, that, that's probably the Achilles tendon, I don't know. There's some good movies out there. Okay, those things are good, those things are great, except for d dating. Don't date right now. Isn't that right, Craig? <laughs> Those things are good, but it's not our fullest joy. If our joy meter goes from our feet to our head, Jesus is saying that in his presence, 
Our joy, our happiness, our pleasure will go all the way up and we will, we will be brimming out of our hairs. It'll be shooting out like a rainbow out of your head. It'll be overflowing with joy, with happiness, with eternal, lasting pleasure. That's what happens when we obey God, when we spend time in his presence. The God who set it all up, who knows everything, He's saying, look, if, if you will get in my presence, I will fill your joy to where you can't have any more. The most joy you've ever experienced in your entire life, the most happiness, the most pleasure will be found in God's presence. That's what happens when we stop living according to the flesh and by the Spirit start putting to death the deeds of the body. Guys, we're going to move into a time of response, but I, I hope you see that giving up sin doesn't mean that we are losing joy, that we're losing happiness. If any of you guys were here last week for Paul Zetterberg's story, he said, look, I, I thought that, that so often God was wanting to rob me of of pleasure. He was wanting to rob me of joy by asking me to give up these sins that I really liked. He said, but, but it wasn't until God, God spoke to me and said that, no, he's wanting to give me a greater pleasure, a greater joy. Guys, God is wanting to give you your fullest happiness. He's not wanting to rob you of anything that's gonna give you real joy. Yeah, those, those sins may give you temporary pleasure, but they give you a lot longer lasting death. God's wanting to give you real joy that's lasting. I pray that you know that God is wanting your joy. He is wanting you to be happy. But your happiness is found in God. The world, like Oscar Wilde, will tell you that your happiness is found in just fulfilling every sinful desire that you could ever have. But guys, you look at the people that do that and they are the most empty, miserable wretches in the world. God's not wanting to rob you of joy. No, he's wanting to give you a greater joy, a greater happiness. And that's found in obeying him. That's found in his presence. If you would, take out your pen and paper underneath your seat. And we're going to just ask the Lord a few questions here this morning. So it might help you if you just close your eyes, remove distractions. Just ask God here this morning, God, what, in what ways am I living according to my flesh? In what ways do I regularly give in to the impulses of my sinful nature? Whatever he's saying to you, just write it down.
then ask God, God, how do you want me to start putting this thing to death? Maybe it's deleting Instagram off your phone. Maybe it's getting rid of your smartphone and computer altogether. Maybe it's cutting off some some toxic friendships. Maybe it's breaking up with, with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's, it's just confessing to your parents that you struggle with depression. Whatever it is, God, God wants to help you put this to death. And then whatever it is, just make a promise to God right now. Just resolve to the Lord. God, I'm going to go home and I'm going to find a verse that I can memorize that can be my sword to fight this one temptation. You don't have to be perfect starting tomorrow. No, just start small. God, I'm going to start fighting this one temptation. And I'm going to memorize whatever verse you bring to me so that I can fight it. If you need help finding a verse, ask me, ask your small group leader, ask ask your parents. If you just Google, what does the Bible say about lust? It'll bring about 800 verses up for you to memorize. It's not hard, but we have to just pursue it. We have to actively go after it. Guys, God has so much more for you than than a life being enslaved by your sinful desires. He has a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of real, lasting happiness in store for you. If you will start actively fighting, you'll start actively putting to death the deeds of your body. He has a greater joy in store for you longer lasting happiness that'll last all of eternity as we move into a time of response we have uh, communion where we just say Jesus thank you so much for your broken body your shed blood for me that because of your gift I can have eternal life with you I can have my fullest life here with you in your presence and we have our tithes and our offering just saying God, I I trust you more than I trust my money. And then we're going to worship together. I encourage you, don't just go through the motions here. Whatever God has been speaking to you, he's wanting to, to draw your heart near to him. So as we worship, give all of your heart back to him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we confess that we are so weak on our own but you are infinitely strong. You hold all power, all authority, or you you know exactly how each and every one of us struggle, and you know exactly how you're going to rescue each and every one of us in that. God, I pray that you would cement that deep inside of each of our hearts, God. Lord, that you are wanting our highest joy, and that that is found in putting to death 
our sinful nature, the deeds of our body by your spirit. Lord, we look to you. We can't do it alone. We're desperate for you, God. Would you fill us? Would you help us? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.